0: Today, I want us to look at what I call the inner core of the church. You know, back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, there was a car that was imported into the United States from a wonderful, incredible country called Great Britain. And this car was like the the it car of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And, and, and when you saw this car, everybody just turned their heads and, and, and just wanted to own one of those cars. I remember my dad grew up and his dream was to own one of these cars. And it was known as a car that if you had it, then you were doing well for yourself. If you were driving around, people would think that person is doing well for themselves. This car was known as the Jaguar or as Americans butcher the English language and call it Jaguar. But actually, it's a British company, British car, so it's Jaguar. And uh, the, the Jaguar was this beautiful car. Everybody wanted to own a Jaguar. But the problem was, especially in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, there was one problem. While it was beautiful on the outside, and it had all the latest gadgets for whatever gadgets they had in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, it had everything you wanted in a car. There was one problem with this car. Everybody knew that this car was unreliable. Unreliable. It meant that you could be driving and, and it could be a great ride. Then in the middle of uh, of just your ride, it could just break down. Some of the parts could just break. And, and, and everybody knew that while the Jaguar was expensive and, and it was this fancy car that everybody wanted, everybody knew that the Jaguar was on reliable. And it's all very well having the best looks, but if what is under the hood doesn't match what's outside the hood, then you could forget it. It's not a very good business model to have. Uh, and, and it's the same. In life, you can have the best looks. You can have the slickest organization. You can have, make the biggest noise. You can attract the most people. But if what is under the hood doesn't match what is outside the hood, then people are going to think that you are phony. You know, one of the biggest criticisms of the church today, just especially in America, is something called on authenticity? Unauthentic people think that we are unauthentic. You know why? Because we will create these wonderful services. We'll have these great bands. We'll, we'll, we'll put on these shows. We'll show the world what we're doing. We'll put all over Facebook everything that we're doing. We'll market ourselves really good. But so often we don't match up with what we preach. With what we tell people that we should be. So often, what is preached in the pulpit in, in most churches isn't practiced. And it starts with the pastor of that church and it runs down to every single member of that church. And so often, people think that we aren't authentic. We say that we welcome everyone, but do we really mean that? When people who aren't like us walk into church, do we really mean that we welcome Everyone, when we say that we are people of love, do we really practice that? When we say that our lives have been changed by God, do we really show the world that our lives are changed by God? If what we say and what we do are not in cohesion with each other, then there is nothing beautiful about that. And Jesus Christ has called us as a church a bride. And he wants us to be a beautiful bride. But if what we're saying and what we're doing don't match up, there's nothing beautiful about that. You know, a few years ago, there was a show on TV. I don't even know if it's still on. But it's like one of the trashiest shows you can watch. But sometimes, let's just be honest and transparent. Sometimes, it's just good to watch a trashy show once in a while, right? Do you agree? No, I'm like, oh, sorry, it's just me. But I know you ladies watch Real Housewives, and that's the trashiest in the world. And uh, but it was a it was a show, and it was called Bridezillas, Bridezillas. And basically, what it was, it was these ladies who were getting married, and many of them were beautiful ladies. And something just happened within them when they started organising their wedding that they became what there was known as a Bridezilla. And, and what would happen? This woman or these women would just be so consumed with trying to organize their wedding that they just disregarded everybody else. they become nasty and catty and horrible to everybody. Like to the wedding planner, they would just scream and be nasty. They were like... You know, they would try try their cake and they would just like say nasty things uh, to to the baker and to the florist. And and you would look at this show and you'd be like, on the outside, these ladies and these girls look pretty. And it's like, yeah, that's probably why their grooms decided to choose them as a bride. But as you started watching the show, you'd be thinking... Who on earth would marry these women? They are just vile and they are horrible. Because what was on the outside did not compare to what was going on on the inside. And even the people that they loved, their parents and their friends, and even the groom to be they were treated horribly. And so they were known as bride And you know what? So often, Christians and churches... Be a little bridezillerish. I'm just being honest with you this morning. We can be a little bridezillerish. We can be so focused on our goal and our mission and our vision that we forget that there are people right in front of us who have needs and their life is in a mess and they've come to us for help. We, we can so often forget why Christ chose us as a bride in the first place. There is a day that's coming, and like I said, it's found in Revelation chapter 19, when, when the church will be the bride at the greatest wedding ceremony of them all. Christ will be the groom. Uh, the groom, not the broom, the groom. <laughs> and as we discussed last week, I believe in preparing ourselves for the ceremony. I believe in excellence. Well, one one thing that, you know, I, I like to get here early on a Sunday morning, and I'm not anal at all. I'm not. But there's certain things that I just want that's nice. So I will make sure that our cables at the front are all made nicely neat, and they, 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 like, follow a pattern. They're not all over the place. Uh, you know, our worship uh, leader, Ken, he, he he he's, like, worse than me. I mean, he wants to make sure every note is perfect. Because he's like, we're, we're, we're singing unto God. I want to bring glory unto To God. I believe in excellence. I, I honestly think, and I may be wrong, I don't have a Bible verse from this, but I honestly think that sloppiness in the kingdom of God is like a sin. It's like a sin. Just sloppiness, just thinking, oh, it will be okay, it will be fine. You know, it's, it, it, it's okay if, uh, if, if we, you know, we, we don't go the extra mile today. It's okay if, 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 you know, if what we do is below standard. I honestly believe that sloppiness is almost a sin. Because we're bringing glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The God of this universe. The God almighty. So when we come together as a church, I believe in excellence. And we talked about this last week. I believe in shining our light for the world to see. So that everybody sees the light of God through, through the eyes of the church. I believe in reaching out to those who are hurting and those who are needy. Because if we're not shining the light of Christ, then, then who is? Who is shining the light of Christ? However, sometimes I think we can be so focused, like the bridezilla's on the wedding ceremony, that we forget why the groom chose us in the first place. And if we're to show the world a beautiful bride, a beautiful church, a church that is attractive, that brings glory to Christ, then we must show the world why He chose us. And we must show and live by that inner beauty that Christ created in us. There's there's nothing better than than, than going to a wedding ceremony and seeing a bride and groom and they're just in love. They just, you know, you can just tell they're in love and, and, and they're good looking people. They're young, you know, and, uh, you know, just wait 10 months and they'll put on 10 pounds and stop doing their makeup and their hair. But at that point, they're just like, they're good looking people. But then you get to meet them and they've got this inner beauty about them as well. You're like, that is a good couple right there. And that is what Christ wants for us. He wants us not to look just good on the outside like the Jaguar, but He wants us to be reliable and show our inner beauty as well. You know, if there's one trait that the church must show, it's love. I mean, we we kind of all know that. I think anybody, even if they're not somebody who is a church goer or somebody who's never been in church, they know that Christians give this message that we are people of love. There's lots of Bible verses to back it up. I mean, the the different ones, uh, uh, John says, it says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. It says, greater love. is this, that, uh, no man that, that there's no greater love that a man has laid down his life for his friends. And love is, is this, this theme going through the Bible. And yes, we know that love is central to what we do. We are here because God loves us. And if you don't know that this morning, I want to reiterate that, that God loves you. No matter where you are in your life, God loves you. We have forgiveness from our sins and just our wrongdoings. Because of the love of Christ. We find strength through our life and every day. Because of the love of the Holy Spirit. And we join together in a community called a church. Because we're supposed to love one another. However, I want to challenge you today. And the challenge is this. When people see you. And when people see us. Do they see love? Do they see love? I want to show you just a, a few different Bible verses, and 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 I hate to skip around a lot lots of things, but there was a guy called John who was one of the disciples of Jesus. He he wrote the Gospel of John, and then later in life he wrote three other books called First, Second, and Third John. And this guy is just like he, he's just loving everything. He's loving life, and, and this is what he says in John chapter thirteen. Uh, verse 35, well, I'll start at verse 34. It says, so now I'm giving, this is Jesus. He says, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. And then in verse 35, it says this. It says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Do you get that? Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not how wonderful a church service you can create. Not how knowledgeable you can become. Not how much of the Bible you know. Not how moral your life is. It's your love for one another, for each other, other people in the church... That will not just show the world, not tell the world, but prove to the world that you are my disciples. So that means love should be the number one thing that we focus on. Should be the greatest thing that is in a church. Let me, let me prove to you just a few more just instances. In, John, in 1 John chapter 13 and verse 14. He says this, if we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death onto life. But a person who has no love is still dead. So what, what John is saying here, he's saying that it's through the love that we have for one another that it shows the world that we are no longer living in sin. We're no longer living in, 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 in a place that's just distant from God. But now we are living in the light of Christ that we've been forgiven by uh, from sins by Jesus Christ. It's through the love that we have for one another that will show that. And then 1 John chapter uh, 4 verse 20 and 21. It says, if someone says, I love God, but hates his Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. That's some strong words right there. I mean, I don't know if you've called someone a liar lately, but normally when you call someone a liar, they don't take it very well. Well, this is this is the guy who just loves everyone, John, and he's saying, hey, if you don't love your Christian brother and you say that you love God, well, guess what? You're a liar. Then he says this. He says, for if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we don't see? He has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. That means for those who love God must also show love to those people in the church. What we call our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then just one more for you. If you haven't got the theme yet, you should get the theme by this one. In in second in, uh, John chapter one and verse five, it says, I am writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new command. This isn't something that John just decided to make up or Jesus just made up on the fly, hey, love everybody. It's not a new command, but one we have had from the very beginning. One we've had from the very beginning. Love. You cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ and not have love. Simple as that. If you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then Christ comes and he develops something in you and you start producing a fruit called love. You know, there's a lot of churches out there and there's one particular one out in Kansas City, Missouri. And whenever, so, whenever uh, something is in the news or, you know, something is morally not right, their church, they will have people from their church and they will go with banners. And they will have hate remarks on those banners. And, and, they, and they, they will say stuff and they'll be like, God hates this person or God hates that person. And when I read the Bible, I look at that and I, I laugh. I'm like, are you really saying that you're going on behalf of God when God says that you shouldn't hate but you should love? And there's a lot of churches out there and there's a lot of people in churches and, 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 and sometimes I have to guard myself. Am I loving or am I hating people? But then there are also a lot of churches out there who just accept everything and everyone. And that's not love either. If you just accept and tolerate everything, that's not love. Because this is what love is. Love is, 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 is embracing the mess of life. Because life is messy. Let's be honest. Life is messy. People are messy. Marriages are messy. Friendships are messy. And sin is very, very Very messy. But the people of love, a church that is beautiful, embraces the mess. Because love looks past the mess. Love looks past those who are doing wrong. But the beautiful church, the beautiful bride of Christ, doesn't leave you in a mess either. And that's what I mean. It's like there's some churches out there, they'll just tolerate everything and they'll just leave you in a mess. But the the beautiful church, the beautiful bride is a a church that loves, embraces the mess and then it shows you the path to life that leads you away from the mess. You may ask today, well, Alex, what, what is love? I mean, you say love, but how do I love one another? I mean, if Christ says that, you know, if I say I love God, but don't love my brother and I'm a liar, then, then how can I change that? You say, well, what is, what is love? Well, the answer to love is, is a chapter in the Bible that probably most of you are familiar with. If you've been to a wedding lately you know, you've heard this. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And this was basically a letter that Paul wrote to a church. It wasn't a letter that Paul wrote to a couple who was getting married. And so, you know, I mean, I know we hear this at every wedding, but it was actually written to a church. And this is what Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others... This is like the spiritual equivalent of a jaguar. All beautiful on the outside. We can do this for God and we can do this. But if you don't have love, if you don't have reliability under that hood, then what's the point? There's no point. And Then Paul says this. He gives a definition of what love is. He says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice uh, about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And Paul continues a little and then right at the end, Uh, In verse 13 he says, three things will last forever. He's saying all this other stuff, all the shiny nice stuff that you see on the outside, it, it won't last very long. But three things will last forever. And they are faith, hope, and love. And Paul says, but the greatest of these is love. Is love. You know, Every other Monday, we have a, uh, a prayer group and uh, that, that meets. And I love going to, to, to our prayer group. And sometimes we can get a little intense. Sometimes we can get a little noisy, a little crazy. But one thing I've noticed about that group is just the love that comes out of it. This is why. Some of you, you you've sent in requests for us to pray about. Others, you know, we've known of some issues that are going on in your lives. And this group comes together. I don't know, there's what, I, 10 of us, something like that. Come together. And they will lift up the needs of people in the church like I've never seen people do before. You know, when we're going through some stuff in our own life, when we're going through the mess of our own life, the difficulties of our own life, it's, it's pretty easy to call to God And be passionate in our prayer to God and and cry out to God and and give it all to God and say, God, we need your help. Help us in this situation. But when you are totally detached from a situation and you, you are not involved in a situation, but you still have that passion to pray through that situation for someone else, that's love right there. When, when, when you are so uh, passionate to be able to, to call upon God for someone else, when it doesn't affect your life at all, I think that shows love. And, I, I, and there's been times I've just sat there, and I've just watched just different ones call out to God for some of your needs. And, and, and some of the needs have been pretty tough. Some of some of you, we've called out for your healing, for you, for your for your body. Others, we've called out for 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 stuff like selling your home or or getting into a new home. And, and I've just seen the passion of those people trying to pray unto God, intercede unto God for those others, and it just blows me away. I'm like, that's love right there. When you will care for others' needs, that is love right there. And Paul gives us a list of characteristics of what the church is. He's like, love is patient and kind. It's not jealous. It's not boastful. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. I mean, there's a whole list of ways that we can show what love is. And this is what a beautiful bride, a beautiful church is all about. It's about loving God and then loving others. As simple as that. And let me ask you this morning, when people see us as a church, when people see you as an individual uh, uh, follower of Jesus Christ, what do they see? Do they ask the question, wow, look how these Christians love one another. Look how this church loves one another. Is what we are reflecting, the love of God. When people get close to us, Not when they see us from a distance, but when they get close to us. Do they really see love? You know, love is actually really easy. For those of you who have never loved, I'm sorry, but love is easy. When you are in love, you can't help but think about the other person when you think about that other person all you think about is the things that you want to do for that other person i can really tell that my wife loves me sometimes i ask the question why i don't know but she just does you know and it's through the small little things that i can sh- that she shows that she loves me this is one of the things that she does and i just it just smiles and i try to trick her all the time but it doesn't work so we have a deal in the house, she does the cooking, I do the cleaning up because I can't cook. So when she's cooking a meal and she's a really good cook and she will uh, she'll get the plates out from the cupboard. Uh, we've been married about eight years, so we've got some new plates, we've also got some old plates. And for those of you who've like, had plates for a while, you know they get chips on the plates, right? You know, and uh, unless you throw them out as soon as they get a the chip, Well, we don't. So we got some chips and some of our plates. And this is what she always does. She will get the plates out. And if she sees there's a chip on the plate, she will serve herself the plate with the chip. And she will give me the plate without the chip. And I'm, I'm like, ask her, I'm like, what are you doing? Just give me the plate with the chip. It doesn't matter. She was like, no. She goes, I want to give you the best. I'm like, that just wants to make you throw up, really, sometimes. I mean, I'm sorry. But, but, I mean, it's cute for me, but probably hearing that, you're like, ah. Oh. But, but she wants to give me the best. And then she'll always give me the bigger portion, which is kind of an oxymoron because she's always telling me, oh, you've got to watch your stomach. You've got to watch, you know. I'm like, but you're giving me more portions than you. But she will always give me the most and the plate without the chip. And the reason she does that is because she loves me. And she wants to give me the best. She wants to give me something better than herself. And people who are in love want to give their best to each other. And the same is true for those who love God. We want to give God our best. And in turn, we want to give our best to others as well. One more scripture I want to show you before we finish. It's found in Romans chapter 12. And if there's a nugget that we get out of today, of this whole series, this is it right here. This is what a beautiful church is. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Don't pretend to love others. I mean, how, how many times have, you know, you've seen someone and, you're all nicey, but inside you're like, ah, I can't stand that person. That's what Paul is saying. He said, "Don't pretend to love others; really love them. Really love them." That's that. First Corinthians thirteen: Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not be jealous. It does not boast. That really do that. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Then he says this, and this is, this is the key. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in the confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. There's two things right there that I think every church needs. And if we want to be a beautiful bride, we have to be. First one is honor each other above yourself. Honor each other above yourself. And secondly, when you see people in need, help them. Help them. Love is not just a feeling. It's not just a romantic feeling of, oh, I'm in love. Love is a doing word. The most beautiful church is the one that truly in honor prefers one another, does things for one another. It means that when people are in need, we help as much as we can. When people are sick or they're down, we lift them up. It means when people are hurting, we soothe their wounds. When people are lonely, we give them company. When people are asking questions, we're willing to converse with them. You know, as a pastor, it breaks my heart. Seriously breaks my heart when people leave churches because they felt no one cared. I mean, I think if there's one... Thing in the world that I think could just help this whole world and, and bring people back into to the church, it would be that they feel that people cared. You know, I think when people leave a church or they leave the faith because they felt no one cared, I think that is more ugly than anything in the world. We're people of love, and then we f- people feel that they don't care, that they're not cared for. However, I also understand. Our American mentality of church, and I've been in America for eight years now, and I think I'm getting a handle on it. And this is our mentality of church—not every church, but kind of just a stereotype. This is the thought: when people are in need, the pastor, the leaders, and those who have the gift to to help others are the ones who should step in and help. And you know, here at Generation Church, I mean, you guys are awesome. Couldn't wish for a better church. I mean, you guys are awesome. And, you know, some of you, you're beautiful on the outside. Some of you, not so beautiful on the outside. But you're beautiful on the inside. It's all that matters, right? You guys are awesome. But that thought, I think we practice Almost every week in this church. And I'm not trying to bring you down. I'm not. Because that's just the culture we live in. But these are the things that I hear on a regular basis. Alex, I haven't seen this person for a couple of weeks. How are they doing? Are they okay? I hear people say, hey Alex, I heard someone's sick. This person's sick. How how are they doing? Are Are they coming along okay? I hear, hear people say, hey, I heard somebody's going through a, a tough time. Are they okay? And what I've discovered is that so often we are people of good intentions. People with good thoughts. But that isn't love. Good intentions and good thoughts is not love. Let me read this back to you again. Romans chapter 12. It says there, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Let me give you a background on the book of Romans. The book of Romans was not written to an individual. You've got books like Timothy. That was written to one person. It was written to Timothy. But this book was written to a whole church. Notice here, Paul didn't say, when God's people are in need, The pastor, the leaders, those with the gift of mercy and the gifts of help, should go help them. No, it says when God's people are in need, you, be ready to help them. As a church, be ready to help them. Individually, be ready to help them. And I think so often, we have these good intentions, As I haven't seen this person. Well, why didn't you just call them? Pick up the phone and call them. This person's sick, well, just go visit them. Go take a meal to them. If someone's down, call them up, take them out for ice cream. You know, there's nothing better than a church can do and then show love for one another. And there's nothing that shows love more than showing that you care. You may say, hey, I don't even know you properly. I, You know, I know your name. Or that person, that person who sits over there, you know, I mean, what's their name again? You may not even know them, but do you know what shows love? Showing, hey, I don't know you, but I know that you're going through a hard time. I just want to take you out for some ice cream. I want to take you out for a meal. Let's go and have some coffee. You know, I I want to be here for you. That is love. And that is what a beautiful church does. It's not reliant on a few, but it comes together and it prefers one another. Do people know we are followers of Jesus because we have the name church in the name of our church? Do people know that we are followers of Jesus because what's on our website? Do people know that we are followers of Jesus because of our statements of faith? Do people know that we are followers of Jesus because of the songs we sing on a Sunday morning? Or do people know that we are followers of Jesus because we actually like preach from the Bible and we read the Bible? Or do people know that we are followers of Jesus because of our love for one another? John 13 says that it is by your love that you will prove to the world. That you are my disciples. Because we embrace the mess. We don't turn people away. But we embrace the mess. But we don't tolerate pride or arrogance. But we truly show genuine love for one another. So people see us and they see love. You know Generation Church exists. For this one reason. To help make the bride of Christ beautiful again. Not some ugly, stinky, nasty bride. But a bride that ultimately brings glory to an ultimate, awesome Savior. You know, an ugly, stinky, unprepared, stay in the closet, stay in the darkness, unauthentic, loveless church is just one stinking bridezilla. And let's be honest, who wants to be a bridezilla? I don't want to be a bridezilla. You know, we have a mandate from Jesus himself. Go into all the nations. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of Jesus. And then teach them the commands of Jesus. The commands that Jesus taught us. And how can we do that? If people want to run away from us. Instead of run towards us. Let us show the world that Jesus Christ has chosen us. A beautiful bride. Then people will run towards us and they will find life and hope and salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, as a church, we are on the start of what God is wanting to do. And God is wanting to do huge, amazing things through every one of you. And God wants to take this church to a place where we are showing the world what Jesus Christ is all about. And that is that He loves them. And He died for them. And that He saved them. And He set them free. And they no longer have to live in sin and darkness anymore. But they can live in hope And faith and life and light and love. That is what we are all about. But unless we are showing the world that the bride of Christ is beautiful. You know what they are going to do? They are going to say thank you very much. And they are going to walk away. They are going to walk away. It is all about preparing ourselves for God. Shining the light that God has put inside of us. Not being inward, but being outward. And then it's all about embracing one another. Showing our love for one another. Taking care of one another. Preferring one another. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to show the world that there is a beautiful bride? And it's called the church of Jesus Christ, of which we are a part. Let's pray.